Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. With Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson, I'm Tim Priester of Irish Illustrated. It's Thursday, September 22nd, Notre Dame gearing up to travel to Chapel Hill to take on North Carolina, undefeated North Carolina, powerful offense, bad defense, kind of the reverse for Notre Dame. How do you guys see this matchup this weekend in Chapel Hill? Uh, Yeah, it's closer going back to, eh, without Notre Dame being obviously at that level of 2020 where it was just an array of offensive stars for North Carolina, and you knew Notre Dame was a bigger, stronger set up on the lines. Now, Notre Dame's offensive line then was the second best in the country. Right now, they had a good half and a quarter, basically. (laughs) And Notre Dame's defensive line had its best uh, game of the season. So it's similar. You know, Notre Dame's got to win up front on both sides because they do not have the skill position talent or quarterback, especially, to match North Carolina. It's it's not that much different, really, than 2020. Now, it's Drake May, I think, is going to be very, very good and, like, is good now. Um, you know, is he going to be talked about in the way Sam Howell was going into the 2020 season, probably a couple of years away from that, but certainly feels like he's sort of on that glide path right now. So it's, um, I think we talked about this on the podcast earlier in this week, or maybe Priester and I were chatting about it before we recorded, just like Notre Dame secondary. They're good. Like, are they really good? Are they just okay? Like, they seem like they're in the right spot, but they're not making a lot of plays necessarily. Like this weekend, being in the right spot is probably going to be enough. Um, and if you can make a play on top of that, then I, would, I, I feel like Notre Dame secondary could rise to the occasion. But um, I think the challenge with North Carolina is it's it's serious. Yeah, it, it is. And, I, you know, I would imagine there are people out there that are saying that we're overplaying Drake May. I've been kind of gushing about him since since Monday. And then I talked to Rocky Boyman, who uh, who did the the North Carolina Georgia State game for ESPNU. And he was very impressed with him as well. And, you know, I mean, you talk about I think long term, he's a better pro po- prospect than than Sam Howell because he's six foot five and he's really agile and he's been very good. And I realize that the competition hasn't been great, but I would just remind people that those three teams that they played Florida A&M and Appalachian state and Georgia state were like a combined 27 and 12 last year. So they're good, you know, group of five and, or, um, you know, FCS program. So, you know, he said, it's just, you just watch the kid. There are times where it's just, it doesn't really matter what the competition is. Look at the kid, look how he moves, look what he does. He's accurate. Now he's going to have to face uh, a pass rush that he hasn't before. He's probably also going to see some uh, a, a bit more talent, regardless what what we know exactly about Notre Dame secondary. We know that there's some talent back there that's playing playing good football. So um, definitely a challenge. The line, uh, what was it, Tim? It opened up at uh, even, I think, and it's one and a half in in North Carolina's favor and the over under has gone down, which means as we were talking about, and I put in Thursday thoughts, uh, Notre Dame's defense should be able to slow North Carolina down from what they've been producing. And then Notre Dame's offense, even against a not very good North Carolina defense is still going to be challenged offensively. 
Yeah, I think the issue is if Notre Dame's def- offensive line shows up as it did in the second half, they'll have they'll be able to score some points in North Carolina because Cal, I mean, Cal is more stout than North Carolina is defensively. Marshall played hard defensively. Ohio State's clearly better than than they are defensively. Um, you you just can't have the starts. You you they have three points in the first quarter. It's because Lorenzo Styles caught a pass on a great read by Tyler Buckner, and then they didn't get any more yards. That's the points Notre Dame has scored in the first quarter this year. You cannot have that against North Carolina. They've Carolina. I've said this a couple times now. Seventy-seven points in the first half. Seventy-seven points in the second half. They're going to score on people. We do have to remember, as good as the Carolina skill position players have been for a long time. There is a difference, though, with Appalachian State because you can just do what Drake May wants to do against that level of athlete up front on the line. Notre Dame's defensive line is a far cry from the defensive lines he's faced. And I think their sound secondary is much better than the secondaries he's faced. You're going to go find, like, Tim, you pointed out the Marshall game. You're like, these corners are... These corners could start for Notre Dame. Absolutely. They're the, they're the only ones though, right? I mean, there was like nine guys on Notre Dame's team that should have started for Marshall in those two corners. And I think that's yeah. what May will see is a bunch of good players. My question is, and we're going to get into this later, I guess. If you look back in the last two games, like I think this secondary for Notre Dame is better and deeper. There's five corners and five safeties that play. They're, they're sound. They're fine. They're not going to blow this game. Like they were going to the North Carolina game in 2020. I was like, man, they might just get shredded. You know, and then oh, Kyle, yeah. Hamilton, you know, Kyle Hamilton got hurt. I don't think they'll get shredded. I think they're going to give up yards and points. I think the defensive line is better than that line. That was what Ade was the best player on that line. I mean, they're underrated. Heinish was good. MTA was good. This defensive line is probably better than that. Linebacker was ass-kicking Drew White, Butkus winner, Ousu Koromoa, and the breakout day of Maris Leofau. So I don't. That's one drop off, I think, for Notre Dame, and it, and it matters against North Carolina. The linebacker play. Yeah. Now, now, <laughs> you probably you have to add Josh Downs to the equation because he hasn't played in the last two games. So right. Oh no, you do. He will be added. In. He's coming off a knee injury. You know, is he hundred percent? I would imagine he's not. But that's just one more. He's still weapon a problem. For them. <laughs> it, there's no doubt. And I and I mean, talk about when you 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 look forward to matchups. Him against Tariq Bracy. Yeah. Is, oh, it's, is a, a, it's a rematch. Let's go again. They keep yeah, going. Now it, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, you mentioned the 2020 game and, and what you, what we thought might happen offensively. And I know everybody, I, not everybody, but I, I know a lot of people now are in love with Phil Longo, uh, but they scored 17 points and had 14 right. first downs and 298 yards total offense two years ago against Notre Dame. I mean, so Notre Phil Dame Longo, I, mean, I love them. him. They straight up bullied Yeah, them. they did. They yeah. did. Yeah. Well, it wasn't like, didn't North Carolina score touchdowns on his first two drives? Yeah, on Bracey. Two, or two of their first three. They got three um, When he had to pull Bracey. Yeah, and they, they really shut him Lewis. down. And like, I think O'Malley, it's like last year against North Carolina, Hamilton was injured. The first North Carolina game, he had ejected for targeting. Yeah. Uh, and at that point, we were like, oh, man, the secondary <laughs> oh, yeah. is really going to fall apart here. And that couldn't have been, we couldn't have been more wrong. Uh, they shut him down. They shut him down. In perception the there. So. I, you know, it, maybe this is a week for uh, Al Golden to call up Clark Lee uh, and be like, hey, what uh, what works with this? Because, you know, I, not that Marcus Freeman did a poor job last year, but the job Lee did two years ago was one of his best performances as Notre Dame's D.C. Yeah, well, there's yeah, a better so offense. That Carolina offense was better. Oh, they they were loaded everywhere. Last year was yeah. no one wanted to tackle Sam Howell. <laughs> it was just getting really weird after a while. Like, what is going on out here? <laughs> There's only he so much. Mar- yeah, that that's what it was. There was only so much Marcus Freeman can do when his guys can't bring the quarterback 
down, but yeah, 2020, they had 2000 yard rushers. And that's what, I, you know, I brought, I even brought up to golden the other day. Like, I mean, I'm just amazed that North Carolina, every, I think I use the word, every constituent, every offensive constituency is served at North Carolina. They, they feed the wide receivers. The tight ends have caught a ton of passes this year. They get the running backs involved in the, in, in the passing game. I probably said all this on Monday, but you know, I, I, I just, I really like what they do offensively. Defensively, I think it's more the same for North Carolina. You know, you like a couple of linebackers, Cedric Gray, number 33, and, and Power Eccles, number 23. But, you know, I just – Miles Murphy, when Miles Murphy is good at defensive tackle, he's really good. And then he kind of disappears. Uh, Ray Vohasek, their interior guy, he penetrates. He doesn't make a lot of indiv- individual plays. I guess he's – setting up other people to make plays, but I don't see him make a ton of plays. And then this was the same way last year when they bring in their backup to interior defense alignment, they're not good. So when you see, I mean, when you see 98 and what's the other number five and five is Ritzy, who's a highly, highly rated player, but I, I just don't, I, I don't, they're not stout up front. Noah Taylor. I loved at Virginia, but I see him getting, He's a pass rusher. You can push him around in the running game. So I see Notre Dame running right at that defensive line and having some success doing that. On the back end, you know, and talking to Rocky Boyman, he's the one that said, you know, everybody everybody loves the name Storm Duck, but he's a guy that they can pick on. You know, Tony Grimes has kind of been up and down a corner, but that was a five-star corner that's been banged up a little bit. So, I mean, there are opportunities there if this is – you know, remember last week we were saying that Cal's not the best opponent for for Drew Pine to make mm-hmm. his first start. North Carolina's a pretty damn good opponent for him to make his yep. first road start. It's, what is, it's funny you mentioned their backup defensive linemen aren't good <laughs> as bluntly as possible. If they were, we'd be talking about a different program because they have skill position players right. all the time. So clearly right. there's there's issues, and that's why they lose games. And, I mean, I made the comment, when you, man, when you watch May on film, Pete, you're right. He is going to be as good as Howell. I just have so much respect for Sam Howell because he basically put them on his back in that game last year and yeah, made it did. a close game with Notre Dame. It was, it had to be mad. You could tell Brian Kelly was pissed because he kind of did the old, well, he's not sitting out any games and he's going pro conversation mm-hmm. right after that game. Oh, yeah, I remember and, that, uh, yeah. that was, that was a showcase by him. So I don't think you'll see that from Drake may. Um, and we have some questions on running ability coming up, so we won't get into that, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's closer it's it's intriguing to me because it's like the 2020 game only Notre Dame was a much better football team in 2020 I think than they are now yeah I would agree with with that Tim um you know I mean keep in mind may start three games and he's just so he's just so he's just so comfortable back there and he's almost I'm put this in a preview he's almost confident to a fault whereas whereas good Notre Dame needs some turnovers yeah I know no exactly whereas Drew Pine under pressure went in the other direction. I think, I think Drake may is more likely to be, to try to be gunslinger in a big, he's playing against Notre Dame and they're at home. You know, I think he's more likely to, to try to be gunslinger. And does he make a mistake in the process? I don't see him making a whole lot of mistakes so far. His 11 touchdown passes ties for the, with two other guys for the, for tops in the, in the nation. He's only thrown one pick. He did fumble. I believe it was, I don't know if it was App State or Georgia uh, State. Now they're running together for me, but he did, he did fumble. And I think that he could at times try to do a little bit, 
a little bit too much, but I would imagine North Carolina probably feels like they can live with that, with what he does uh, with, with the positives that, that, that he adds. I do want to, um, before we go to segment two, I brought up the Marcus Freeman. I didn't want to make a big deal out of it. Uh, and, and actually the, the media that was around Tommy Reese on Monday, didn't bring it up, but downstairs when he was downstairs, doing, they did. Yeah. I he was doing video. Yeah. I mean, I, I was talking about, I wanted to talk to him about football other. Yeah. I wanted to talk to him about football and I thought Reese handled the, what I saw from the video from downstairs at, at, at the indoor facility, I mean, I thought he handled it really well. He said, you know, obviously the language, you know, but I, you know, you had to do something to snap him out of it. And Marcus Freeman kind of echoed that today that he's not playing well. We, we have to do something. You normally don't have that caught on, on film like it was. Uh, but I thought they both answered it really, really well. And of course, Drew Pine handled the, the, the yelling pretty well, very well, extremely well. I don't think, I don't think Tyler Buckner, I don't think you coach Tyler Buckner like that. And Marcus Freeman said, I know you don't coach. First of all, I know you don't coach Tyler Buckner like right, that, right. but Marcus Freeman said, you know, you coach each guy individually and maybe he had Buckner in mind when he said that, but uh, I don't know, just your thoughts on how Reese and Freeman handled that situation. I, I would push back on the notion that it snapped Drew Pine out of anything. Well, he afterwards, had two more they sets. went three and out and then he fumbled the snap. So yeah. like, I don't think it really snapped him out of anything. Um, I think he can take it. It's football. I don't have problems with people saying the F word in football, like whether you're caught on TV or not. I mean, give me a break. So I thought Reese handled it well. I thought Freeman handled it well. I didn't I didn't think anybody who covers Notre Dame tried to make like a big issue out of it. I And I asked this to Freeman and Reese this week. Like, I'm more interested about like, what the hell was the matter with Drew Pine at the beginning of the game? And you try to like reverse engineer that to figure out, okay, how could you possibly play that poorly to begin the game? And Reese talked about or um, nerves because I asked about nerves, but then he said like, you got to take the emotion out of it and like, okay, you didn't rotate your, your upper body, which is why you sort of worm burner a throw. Um, that to me is more interesting than what time you're, Tommy is saying, you know, do your effing job over, over the phone. Um, I think it made for a good meme, but didn't really, doesn't really have a whole lot to do with like the arc of the season. Yeah. Pete, I think you might, did you, you might've left when I asked Reese about the difference between coming into a game where I thought Drew Pine has, and I thought Drew Pine came into games against Wisconsin. Great. And Cincinnati did fine. Are you, um, are you saying he was, a, he was a spark? Well, he was a, <laughs> With Moxie, he was an inspiration with his Moxie and his spark. Okay. But um, I asked him about starting a game. He's like, "Yeah, starting Reese is like starting's different because remember Reese's first Reese's first time was Michigan. That was bad. It was one play, but Tulsa he acquitted himself well. I mean, statistically there were three picks, but everything else he he. Uh, Notre Dame would like to have that, well, Notre Dame would like to have four touchdown passes of three hundred thirty-four yards this yeah, week, yeah, like Tommy Reese had in his first game. But uh, <laughs> he, he mentioned, you know, it's tough when you're the first time starter. You know, you're starting everything all week long is just harder. And it should get easier for Drew Pine. I was shocked. Drew Pine basically wet the bed in the first quarter, and I'm I'm, I'm not too. the only one saying that. I'm not. I mean, I, we know everybody said that, and I'm not talking about writers. We're talking about everybody involved with the Notre Dame program. I was stunned. I thought he had more confidence than that, but I do think he'll build from the fact that he played much better going forward. And even if analytically you look at things and go, well, how much better did he play? He never threw the ball downfield. In his mind, he had played a lot better when he left that game. Right. 
that he had the two touchdowns led them to victory and had a much better second half. I guess I, I shouldn't have snapped out of it is not, <clears throat> not the right phrase because there was, there were two more series, but he did finish 14 for 15, right. which is a yes. testament to Reese, you know, probably the way Reese handled him the rest of the game, the play calling. Yeah, it was easy stuff, but it was extremely important that Drew Pine had success. It didn't matter. It didn't, it doesn't yes. matter if they're, doesn't matter that the what is it, Sam Pete? That yeah. 0. 0.6, uh, yeah, zero point uh, zero point six something, uh, yards average yards yeah. of completion target. So make it 0. Yeah, 0. 0.7, I, Pete. It's still bad. I, I, you know, they called this out on the broadcast. I mentioned it in one of my stories this week. Like, I thought it was significant the way Michael Mayer responded after, yeah, Drew Pine air mailed yeah. him on yeah. third down, uh, which I think was the same time he was getting the phone call. From Reese, like you didn't need Mayor and Reese ganging up on you, so it was you know a little good, yeah. not bad guy. I thought, I mean, I thought when when he overshot him uh, up the seam, oh. I thought Mayor's body language was a was a little showed I mean, a little Tim, bit. It was forty five. It was forty five yards easily. No, you have to. I, yeah. no, I hear you. I hear you on the sideline. I mean, when he tapped him on the helmet. No, exactly. Like, and he went that's over, like right. It's he, cool. It, I'm totally fine. Like on the field, if you're like right. Oh, he, what? Yeah, he, he responded like a captain and a and a and a good teammate. So that was that was all good. This segment of Irish Illustrated Insider was brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, located in, on Fremont Street in historic downtown Las Vegas. Circa is the home of the world's largest sports book, where you can watch up to nineteen games at once. Want to be outside? No problem. There is no better place to take in all the college football and NFL action than Stadium Swim. Six pools on three levels and a 40-foot-tall high-def screen to watch all the action. Irish fans, when you come to town for the Notre Dame-BYU game, Circa is the place for you. For reservations and more information, go to CircaLasVegas.com. Segment two, burning up the boards. Coming up. Here's another Irish tale from Do Dublin at DoDublin.ie. In 1916, Irish rebel forces have taken up position on the north side of Dublin's St. Stephen's Green Park. They exchange fire with the British to the south. Suddenly a man enters the park with a brown bag above his head. Both sides cease fire. The park's groundskeeper has come to feed the ducks. For the next six days there is a daily ceasefire so the ducks can be fed. Learn more when you do Dublin with Do Dublin Tours. This is Mike Brown, former Notre Dame leprechaun, here to share the Leprechaun's Game Day at Notre Dame, an officially licensed children's book that celebrates the magic of a football Saturday at Notre Dame. Follow me on an adventure from Step Off Under the Golden Dome to ND Stadium with this perfect gift for fighting Irish fans. Visit www.lepgameday.com and enter Irish to get your author signed copy today. Go Irish! Burning Up the Boards is brought to you by Game Day Your Way. Notre Dame football fans, make your trip to South Bend easy this fall with the help of Game Day Your Way. Services include tailgates, transportation, tickets, and more making game day your one-stop shop for Notre Dame football weekend. Learn more at gamedayyourway.com and use promo code IRISHPOD22 to save 10% on your tailgate package. Segment two, burning up the boards. First question from K Bailey four. Do you envision Notre Dame utilizing a spy to prevent Drake May from scrambling? Jack Plummer last week seemed to exploit the man coverage and was converting long down and distance with his legs. May is even more capable. So what does ND do to combat it? Is Maris Leofau the most likely guy to be a spy? Well, I mean, I understood why they didn't do that with Plummer because Plummer's not really a runner. They just, when you turn your back and 
to the line of scrimmage and man, some that that's going to happen. And he's certainly athletic enough to do it. Drake may is a Drake may is an adept runner. Plumber is just run a straight line to get to from point A to point B may can weave his way through traffic. So you have to do something. Leofow is the most likely guy. Do you do it every, every time he drops back to pass? Probably not because you have your hands full with a, with a capable receiving core, but it's tricky. And, uh, and it's a challenge for, for Al Golden, especially after what happened last week with Plummer. Going through the North Carolina box scores, I was curious about like just how, I mean, you can see the yardage, but I want to know like how effective he was against App State. He rushed, he had six first down rushes, yeah, which is a huge number. Yeah, that's a um, big high Ian Book number against a bad defense. Yeah. Against Georgia State, he had one, and it was his last one where he picked up five yards on a third and five. Like, Notre Dame could totally live with that. So uh, if Georgia State can do it, Notre Dame can do it. <laughs> I'm not really sure what App State's plan was, um, but, but I mean, they gave up an 11 yard rush on a first and 10, a 27 yard rush on a first and 15. Um, this wasn't a first down, but he picked up 10 yards on a first and 15 as well, 12 yards on a first and 10. So, like, App State just didn't even bother to pay attention to him. It, it looked like. Yeah. Um, Georgia State did, and that Notre Dame would take that in a heartbeat if you said he's going to run for one first down and just about, you know, I think non non sack yardage was twenty two yards. That's that's very doable. I'd like to ask Al Golden or Clark Lee or Freeman what it's like to use a spy on a quarterback when you have to play your defense anyway because they don't give you an extra player. And I think, you know, you, you quite often need, I mean, it's different to use a spy on third and 12. Yes. Maris Leofau or Jack Kaiser or someone should be the spy, but you can't spy on first and 10. You can't spy on second and eight. I mean, it's just, you have to run a defense really. Um, I, I, it's, I don't know how to do it other than on third down in a situation where you really got to account for that guy. I think you compromise your defense running a spy. So it's certainly got to be a different person and it has to be at the right time, at very times. But Pete, you're right, six first downs rushing. I mean, Notre Dame will definitely lose to North Carolina if Drake May does that because there's other things going on. Yeah, and, Kel, you know, Kel had a good trio of receivers, but, man, when you look at North Carolina, Josh Downs back in action, Andre Green, who's had a bit of a knee. Kobe Pesor has done a really nice job for them. They use their tight ends a bunch. Gavin Blackwell's another white out. J.J. Jones made a great catch against... Uh, I mean, Mac Brown called Antoine Green an NFL receiver. He said yeah, Josh Downs no. is our best football player for sure, and Antoine Green's an NFL yeah. receiver. That's two yeah, guys yeah. you're adding to the equation. Yeah, you know, he's been battling the knee, so we'll see how much right. he's he's available. ND1, Cubs 1, what will happen first this season? Tobias Merriweather makes a reception. Prince Colley records a non-special teams tackle, or Steve Angeli attempts a pass? That's a pretty good question. It is a good question. I'll go with Merriweather. Because I like people to like our podcast and they want to be positive once in a while. So. <laughs> I'll go Merriweather as well. I th it's like, I thought it was automatic that I'd go Merriweather and I started thinking about it. I could, I could talk myself into Kali, but I'm going to stick with Merriweather. Yeah, I mean, that, that's probably true. The one that, that was talked up the most, Tim, you were there, I think. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you were when when Al Golden was saying how close Prince Kali is to, to being in the, the heat of the action. And, you know, I mean, I'm not sure that North Carolina's offense is the best one for him to to open against, but, um, you know, with Bauer banged up, I mean, clearly Bauer's banged up a little bit. Uh, Leah foul still trying to adapt, I guess. Uh, you know, I wonder if he's, I wonder if Leah just struggling with 
a new defensive coordinator and some different terminology and just some different concepts, you know, more than yeah, anything. He's, he kind of mentioned that, I don't know if he was trying to couch it a little bit. We asked what someone asked, what's the next level for Maris Leofau, which is the polite way of asking when's Maris Leofau going to start making plays. And Golden said along the lines of he can't be looking to make a big play. He can't look to make a difference making play. He has to just do his job and those big plays are going to come. So I get, I think, I think you read that right, Tim. I, I think he's just not consistently playing down to down. He actually had more plays on tape now there's only like three but i had him for like a half a play when i watched the game live <laughs> and i think he made three or four plays where he kind of influenced something defensively yeah. so he yeah. can build from that and uh well that wasn't the question we were answering though but merriweather is the, i guess our yeah our answer to this i think so too yeah and the yinzer the linebacker play in a word has been disappointing is there anything you can attribute that to it's most disappointing to me because it's a veteran group, and I assumed this massive wealth of coaching at linebacker, Freeman, Golden, Laurinaitis, could make them better. I think you can, like, if you're looking for reasons, I think you could say, well, the D-line didn't stop the run in the second half against their first two opponents, which always makes it difficult on linebackers. Uh, Bo Bauer's been banged up. You do have a new defensive coordinator and, and things are a little bit different uh, when, when you're dealing with a new teacher of, of the position and the entire defense. Leofau, what we just mentioned, the things that we just mentioned about Leofau, I mean, those aren't excuses per se, but, you know, the, I mean, the linebacker play hasn't been that bad. I, <laughs> no, it's, it's really taken poorly by Notre Dame fans, though. Um, I have noticed it's a consistent theme on Twitter and on the message board post game. I see stuff about the linebackers, so... Maybe it's their misses are more um, prominent because maybe they miss in space. You know, I get it's, it's well, hard think, to see a miss from yeah, defensive linemen. And yeah, I mean, I think there's an expectation that every time in the open field, the linebackers should should bring that skilled position athlete down, and that's you know that's that's difficult to do. You're you're at an athletic disadvantage in that situation. I'm not look. I I was the one that said on Monday that. You know, I think they're making the plays that they should, but they don't do much beyond that. Right. No, I agree with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really. I'm just saying uh, they seem to be the scapegoats every time yeah. something goes wrong. There's. I mean, they, I, I don't know. think they're I thought they'd have a better year. I didn't I didn't think they're amazing. Um, just because you're four seniors means you can't go pro. We honestly. probably did but, overrate it a little bit. Though, yeah, well, I think, think we did overrate it because I figured their experience. And the best part of this question for me is the three guys. I mean, Freeman, Golden and Laurinaitis with four seniors, including a fifth year, I did think they'd be better. I thought they'd make yeah. plays, but I thought, I thought they would be, I thought they'd know exactly when to attack and they'd be getting, they'd be getting sacks and pressures left and right because of the scheme and how smart they are. Um, that's not the case. Now, Golden did say, we asked him, do you need more production from your linebackers? It was kind of couched in a Howard Cross question. He said he's not disappointed from any of the production. Right. Right. I think he probably means he could use some more, Tackles on the other side of scrimmage, if not yeah. turnovers created. Pete, how do you think this linebacking core has played up to this point? I think a little, dis a little disappointing. Um, not the reason Notre Dame was one and two. Obviously, I, you know, it's like I think we we all probably talked ourselves into Maris Leafau having a hundred tackle season in the summer when mine was Maris Leafau. We were just wrong. So many big plays a game. It wasn't even tackles. It was like sack tackle for a loss deflected pass pressure third down win like that's what i thought you get from leah yeah i mean i would have thought like you know 90 tackles eight 
nine and a half TFLs, four set, like just yeah. very, very disruptive. That has not happened. Um, so I think that's probably disappointing considering we told people it was probably going to. Yeah, um, so I still, I you know, that. I don't know that I ever thought 90 tackles per se because, because of the rotation there. I mean, we, you we thought saw, the rest though, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, yeah. Well, okay. That's what I want, what I'm leading to. I still think there are a lot of big plays left with Maris Leofau in this season, but it just, you know, it hasn't happened in the first three games. And I think, you know, maybe him adjusting to everything, everything. And Marcus Freeman continues to mention recovering from injury. And, and I, you know, I mean, I do, we don't, we don't really, we haven't really been able to pinpoint exactly what that is per se. We thought we think shin splints, but we don't shin have it splints on. is yeah. yeah. What we were told, but anyway, I, you know, it's a, it's a good question because I don't think that they've gone outside of the parameters of what we expect them to be. And they need a little bit more than that. And I think they will get that from Leo Fow in terms of big plays. And we talked on Monday, I think about, you know, him as a pass rusher and some of the things that he can do there. And maybe, mm-hmm. he, maybe he gets back in the passing lanes again. Uh, for North Carolina question from Indy squid 23. Do we see drew pine attempt more parentheses, any shots downfield this week? Pete, how many, yeah, shots I, I would hope so. I mean, I think Tim, you asked Reese about this directly on Monday or on Tuesday. Uh, and he's like, he was a little, yeah, we kind of have to do that. Yeah. But um, I thought he was a little defensive in saying we did, you know, he referred to the, the overthrow to mayor up the seam. I, I don't, I mean, really that's not a shot. That's, shot. Yeah, that's, that's not a, a mid-range shot that gets technically went 20 yards. Come on. Right. That's yeah. dumb. I right mean, on. they can't right. like Drew Pine uh, is not going to throw a back shoulder fade all game ever. Um, <laughs> like that's he just he's just limited physically. So I don't. <laughs> Why can't he throw a back shoulder ball? <laughs> that that like ball it. has to travel a long way. Um, <laughs> I just like he's physically limited. Um, I don't think it's good coaching to take vertical shots just to take them. Um, so I just, so I, it'll be more than last week, but it's still going to be a short passing game the rest of the year. I just, yeah, I many, just don't think the passing game is going to like change a whole lot. How many, and I realize cause he has great speed, but how many deep balls you want him to throw to Braden Lindsay when he can't win a contested ball? Yeah. I mean, I, Tyler I, Buckner, it was part of the plan. He threw was it seven or eight deep. I, I forgot. I think it's seven. Um, I guess he won. He should definitely should have hit. And uh, <laughs> Styles could have helped him on one. Turned around a little bit, but you got to catch that ball, right? You're Lorenzo Styles. We all like you. And uh, he missed one where uh, Lindsey was seemingly. Lindsey went deep, and <laughs> and Buckner went short at the end of the half, and it should have gone deep. And Lindsey had the guy. It was a touchdown. I mean, uh, no doubt. No, I really no, want to pull that. No up doubt. And that that, that, that's, that that play in particular, that's that's unfair of me to say that about Lindsey. But look, I we're I think we're. Th- I think realistically, let's talk more about the 15 to 17 yard yes. throws. But now the question is, are those dangerous with Drew Pine? Because the deep ball interception doesn't matter all that much, does it? Well, that's a point. But I, I think there's some I think there's some some stuff Talking a little bit out of beyond beyond intermediate that that they can run. And yeah. and it requires a receiver to get separation, man. I mean, it, it I, and I get the frustration, but you you have to have when you have trouble stringing together, you know, first downs and long drives. You you need to be you need to be intelligent about how many deep quote deep shots you take. That's why I say yeah, yeah. fifteen to fifteen to twenty two yards 
yeah, they need to do more in that area. I don't I like know what that. you guys consider deep. Like for me, it's 20 yards plus. That's a deep shot. They didn't attempt any of them last week. Um, my next category that I chart is like six to 20, which is a pretty big range. Um, he was one of four for 21 yards. I think he just needs to be six of 11 on six to 15 this game and get the ball two styles and mayor while they're running on drags and crosses and stuff like that. I just don't think when you say he won't do a back shoulder fade, I don't think he can do the field side out. I don't think, I think that's the day. I think that's the most dangerous thing. I'd rather have him take a shot to Lindsay than a field side out and all that kind of stuff that comes back. Like <laughs> there's gotta be, come on, man. There's gotta be some back shoulder throws that can be made. They don't, they don't, they don't have to be 25 yards downfield. Like I, I get all of it. And I think, I think it's important that that's why I wrote a story on. Yeah. And ask a bunch of questions about getting vertical. They need to do a little bit. I think everybody agrees. Tommy Reese agrees. They need to be able to cons- do something consistently a little bit further downfield. Insane Indy Tucson. Seeing how the running game has fared the first three games, do you feel Jadarian Price would have been a contributor minus the injury? I don't think that this is an after-the-fact comment on our part, and I think you're going to agree with me on this. And Yeah, I think he would have been. It may have been at the expense of Audric Estime up to this point. Up to this point. Uh, yeah, or maybe, you know, I guess, you know, Tyree was kind of was certainly compromised in the first couple of games, but this isn't an after the fact, oh, they'd be better if they had Jadarian Price. They loved Jadarian Price, yeah. and they thought he was going to make an impact right from the very beginning of the of the 22 season. I'm not going to hijack this question, but you know who really would have made a difference? Nicholas Singleton. <laughs> Jesus. You, Pete, you uh, you hijacked the question. By the sorry, way. Yeah. I'm sorry. And I said I wasn't going to do that. Yeah. I don't think Jadarian Price would have made the impact that Nicholas Singleton has had, but no, no. he would have. Sing- I loved Singleton. Loved, I was... I jacked. I, 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 yeah, I became a, uh, I was, I was crushed as the deep seated Notre Dame fan when he, when he chose Penn State. That Gio Bernard, man, oh man. He became a player, made. didn't he? <laughs> Timely, too. Uh, yeah, next from Chubby Squirrel, the best name on our list today, I think. Do you think the college game should implement the offensive coordinator to quarterback speaker technology in their helmets like the NFL? If so, how do you think it would affect the game, good or bad? Well, I, I mean, it, it makes more sense to have it in college and pro, right? Yeah, it does. It certainly does. Tim, but, would you be able to watch college football if you didn't have the check with me on the sideline, if that was <laughs> taken away? Like, wouldn't that ruin the experience? Oh, my. It would enhance. Marcus Freeman likes to talk about enhancing. That would obviously. Teams would be running, running 110 plays a game. Yeah, it'd be hard to. How much wow. time we could save. Tail of the tape would take. Rewatching the game would take even longer. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a good idea. I don't know if if there's a technological issue with so many teams having to do it. I I I don't know, but it it seems to me it makes more sense to do it with, um, you know, younger, less less experienced players than than they do in the NFL. I just want the college game to adopt the NFL's punt rules, so the spread punt is gone, and someone can return a punt because those used to be fun. Yeah, now it's a waste of my time. Nick, 2014, does Maris Leofout show up in Phil Longo's nightmares? Well, I it it was brought up to Al Golden. I brought, about yeah, what, we told what him a great it. job that Leofout did in, against Slants, and he didn't seem to know about that. So <laughs> he did not know, I, actually. Did I, he? Hope, <laughs> I hope I hope in lieu of him looking at 2020 film, I'm, uh, 
Maris Leofow, I, I hope that somebody tells him that, hey, he's pretty good at that. You might want to utilize him in that. That's why I call it, yes, Clark Lee. A conversation with Clark Lee is, is definitely in order. That's, that's who shows up in Phil Longo's Nightmares, Clark Lee. <laughs> yeah. It was not as menacing as Maris Leofow, but still. Yeah. But he somehow made DJ Brown and Houston Griffith in their first real action totally destroy North Carolina's offense. So, yeah, I think that Phil Clark Lee did a good job that day. Uh, question from Irish Willie. How significant is the advantage that North Carolina will play Notre Dame coming off a of bye week? Is it reasonable to expect their defense to play better than their first three games? Tim, you have to, I have you to, have to give credit to one of our associates in the According in to the our business. Uh, um, associate Douglas Farmer, who enjoys the uh, legal wager or two in his lifetime, he would like to point out to you that in 2019 and in 2021, Power five versus power five. The buy team has a losing record. So it does not matter. It's a significant advantage for the other team. No, it's not significant. It's a, it's nothing. It's a nothing burger. That's why Notre Dame went seven and one against those teams that had buys in 2019. It's a big fat nothing. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I would go so far as to say that in, you know, later in the season when, when teams are a little bit more beaten up, I, the stats are the stats, by the way, Douglas farmer from, NBC sports and uh, covers.com. But, you know, he, he tracks all those things. And I, I, especially early in the season, I don't really see that as an advantage at all. If anything, maybe a negative because I, because North Carolina was unhappy with how they played against Georgia state. And I guess you could say, Oh, the bye week came at a time, good time. So they could fix some things, but I would imagine that Mac Brown would have preferred that they had been on the field. Um, you know, to create in, in a game situation to maybe against us. like Georgia Southern or Georgia Tech, they could have played one of those teams. <laughs> they, could, they could have. They they ran the gamut, but again, that was not a bad uh, a bad trio of of group of five. Uh, you know, App State. Would yeah, you like? Good. Would you you want Notre Dame to play App State? <laughs> nope. I mean, who wants to who wants to play Appalachian State? Right? No, that's, hey, that's hey, and I want to give I want to give credit to North Carolina for this as well. They went to App State to play. They went to Georgia State to play. A lot of schools, a lot of Power Five schools won't do that for right. one opponent, let alone back to back in games two and three. So I thought that was, I thought that was impressive. In lieu of playing a, a Power Five team, okay, let's challenge our group by going on the road against these teams. Well, obviously, App State's pretty good. I mean, yeah, showed up the next week and beat Texas A and M. Yeah, Irish Willie. Oops, no, we just Irish. did that. That was Irish Willie. Martin yep. Evenflow. Who is the position coach who's exceeded your expectations so far and who has fallen short? I'm going to rephrase this question. Which players have played better and which have not? Because everything is, I mean, we're saying that. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I and That's I realize every engine. yeah, every position coach is responsible for making his players to play better, but sometimes groups play get off to a slow start beyond the control of an assistant coach but i will say this let's do every position group let's do every position group just quick hitter that way we can uh not like offensive line falling short secondary exceeded yeah Uh, specifically mike mickens mike mickens corners yeah have done particularly well uh defensive line uh lower than my expectations lower lower than expectations because of the second halves of the Right. The first two games, uh, linebackers. We already addressed that. How about running backs? Wow. That's tough. Uh, I mean, lower, 
But I mean, <laughs> not by a I lot. I don't, put, I don't put that on Dylan McCullough, the running backs right now. That no. the lack of usage of Chris Tyree was ridiculous for two games. That's just stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, the the usage of Logan Diggs right for two games was also not good. Um, just didn't make any sense. So yeah, that would be slightly lower. Quarterbacks be, lower, lower. I want to give credit to Pete Sampson on wide receivers, exactly where he said they would be. Yes, <laughs> that that man. Uh, no I bet surprise. you took, I bet you took more heat for saying that back in the summer, and I don't even know any heat. I just I just guarantee you did. People were so mad when you said that they were going to be striving to become decent. Was that the exact they were comment? They'll so be so far away. Yeah, they were like not middling. They were like they had to make a big improvement to be a middling group. Um, they're not quite there. I can remember the reaction to to rating the the first rate of oh. rating the receivers in 2020. What did I have them 11th, 10th or 11th out yeah. of 13, Ooh. and I was destroyed for that. It's... I. And it's been a problem at receiver for, for uh, you know, for two seasons. Tight now. ends, I would say, you got, like, Bauman has made two big plays. Um, Mayer is just tied to the quarterback so much, but I guess that's a little lower. I thought Mayer could probably be the player of the game at Ohio State. I mean, that's tied to the quarterbacks more than anything else, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're going by that, then slightly then lower, because I thought he would have more impactful uh, numbers, more impactful games than he's had. Yeah, yeah tight, tight ends, I'd, I'd go a little bit higher just because, like, Bauman. Bauman, unfortunately, I think he's kind of banged up now, so we'll see. But, you know, I think even Raritan and Stays, they they got into meaningful situations faster yeah. than Merriweather, faster than Tui Um, You know, short of Morrison and Mickey, that position, I think, has sort of made the quickest impact. Yeah, that's yeah, that's cool. And they're missing Evans, so they, they needed him, too. That's a good call. Yeah, they're missing Evans. That's why I bring up cornerbacks, because, I mean, Lewis played very well last week. You have the two freshmen. Mickey's been exposed a little bit. Morrison was beaten deep, but those guys have done. I mean, Morrison, in particular, I think, has a chance to be a real standout. That, and, that position, to me, is, like, by far the, yeah, I mean, the biggest is, exceeding of expectations. Yeah, Bracey well, yeah is, we thought they'd be shredded game one, so... <laughs> I mean, beyond recognition, there probably aren't 10 better nickels in the country than Tariq Bracey. No. And Chris O'Leary was on that one back in March yeah. or April. He told us. Yeah. Um, what about, a, what, what about safety play? I mean, uh, lower DJ. Yeah. But DJ Brown was really, really good last yeah. week. He's higher. Uh, Brandon Joseph would be lower just because people had, I mean, he was a first team all American from some play. I don't think we had him as first team all American, but we had him as a very good player. Um, Henderson played well, but Henderson was impactful yeah, last Henderson, week. Henderson had a good game last week, but man. Yeah, no. Getting out of my doghouse. Yeah. <laughs> you, all right. His worst play of his career came against Marshall, and Notre Dame lost to Marshall. Just say those yeah. words again. He's got a lot there of you go. to do. Okay. Might not be Fair yeah, I just think I just think I thought I thought Brandon Joseph was going to be like a dude, and he's just been a good player. Yeah. I thought he'd be Still, like his first hit against Ohio State where he knocked out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like, oh, man, this guy's going to be really, really good. Question from question from gigantic one. Normally I try to stay away from unquantifiable things like intangibles, mostly because it's impossible to know people you don't know. And it just spirals off into boomer speak. I'm not sure what that is. What's boomer speak. Anyway, that being said, with so many key penalties being, uh, so many key penalties, uh, being of the focus variety, especially by upperclassmen, where is the on-field leadership? Is this just not one of those classes? I would shy away from unquantifiable intangibles at this point. Um, the class, I think they have very good leadership. 
focus penalties. Are they focus penalties? I think maybe young fans, middle-aged fans, and old fans alike think they're focus penalties, when in reality we find out that Drew Pine was at fault for Braden Lindsay when Tim Priester and I were furious at Braden Lindsay for jumping off sides on third and one, and he had nothing to do with it. Um, Blake Fisher fell backwards a little bit. People love Blake Fisher. He's a good player. I don't know if they're focus penalties. Um, there's a lot that goes on in a football game, which is why I like to bring up the Jim Mora post game. You think you know, but you don't know, and you never will. Well, they only have- has very good leadership, and uh, that leadership will be tested when they lose again because I think one of the next couple games is going to be really hard. Go ahead. I mean, the J.D. Bertrand targeting, Brandon Joseph in, unable to defend a Hail Mary. Those are things that should just never happen. Like, that that's not that something where though, is it? we don't need to, like, dig deeper on those to be like, I mean, oh, well, not, they're, that's, they're different uh, things. Like, that's no, not making no... plays, though. Yeah. That, I, I don't I, – like, Notre Dame had five penalties against Ohio State, four against Marshall, and they had eight against Cal. So, I mean, if you want to apply this to last week's game – but Notre Dame's 39th and tied for 39th in the country in penalties. So, I mean, I don't think that – I don't think we can suddenly say that Notre Dame doesn't have leadership in the senior class. No, and I think that you know, the quarterback operation being as, like, messed up as it is, the fact that they are still have a good ranking in penalties is surprising because, like, they, they should be top 20, maybe almost top 10 if you take out all these false starts that have a lot to do with the new quarterback. I mean, when you have this quarterback situation, it's it's just going to be hard all around. And they don't have Golden Tate and Michael Floyd playing wide receiver right now. Lorenzo Styles might become TJ Jones, as we have said on this podcast, but he's not right now, right? He's not senior year TJ Jones. He's sophomore year TJ Jones, who yeah, nobody thought was very, going to be a team MVP. Yeah, didn't do a very didn't have a very good game last week. You know, he's a fine player, but I mean it, sophomore yeah. year TJ Jones is pretty good too. That they need yeah. more. They it's not fair to Lorenzo Styles that they need everything from him. I would what were I don't know what TJ Jones's numbers were off the top of my head sophomore year, but I would that was the South Florida year, so you can think of one mistake pretty quickly with Brian oh, Kelly's face turning yeah. into a eggplant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as his actual numbers, I, I I don't know, but I mean, I you know I get it, but I, I I'm not going to take the leap that the senior class doesn't have leadership because they had a a, a high penalty game against Cal, and as you mentioned, there were some other reasons. You know, yeah, I mean, you've got a new cadence with the quarterback too. I, you know, that's, I mean, what, what was, yeah. I, what was the exact cause of Lindsay jumping early? What do you know? What? It, yeah, it was, it, but uh, Reese, Reese had mentioned it was on and not, not Reese, excuse me. Freeman mentioned that that's on, oh, that's right, on Drew Pond. It's not, it's not okay. our senior right, going right, motion. Right. Yeah. Right. We, but he, yeah. but he didn't specify, did he? He didn't. No, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, you know, anytime you have a new voice at, at quarterback, there can be adjustment. There can be an adjustment there as well. Uh, last question is from, uh, W Oosterhoff. What's your take on Marcus Freeman's press conference demeanor over the first few weeks versus prior coaching to me, he seems calm, calm, cool, and collected. Is this so compared to Brian Kelly? It has to be because I can barely remember Charlie Weiss's press conferences. Winner, I mean, win or lose. I mean, I thought it meant maybe opposed to Marcus Freeman last year as a defensive coordinator. Oh yeah, I didn't talk to him enough for that. That's not enough. For yeah, and it's I think home. he seems the same either way. Um, he has not come across as uncomfortable in press conferences. Mm-mm. He's a pretty smooth communicator. Um, so yeah, just whether he actually is calm, cool, and collected once he walks out of that room or hits leave on the zoom call. Um, I don't know. Uh, Cause I think that 
he referenced it a little bit with a question about Reese and getting on pine. Like he gets on them pretty hard. Um, yeah. That's so he's not always calm, cool and collected. Yeah. That's why, you know, I, I hear, I keep hearing uh, players coach. And I think one of the, one of the players interviewed the other day referred to him that way. And I think that that's true to, to a large extent. But well, I think not season, behind not behind closed doors, man. I don't think I think he coaches BK, them harder they know than, Marcus, right? Is that fair? They know Marcus more than they know BK, so he seems like a player's coach to them. I mean, Brian Kelly was not among the people. No, three, he wasn't. But three I but different I, seasons he had to say, I did not spend enough time with my team last year, so I'm changing that this year. <laughs> and conveniently, they were somehow like number five in the country every time he said that. So I mean, it's you know, it I find it, I don't know. I just think that. If you compare Marcus Freeman to Brian Kelly, he is a player's coach. But maybe he's not a player's coach in the sense of the word where he's their buddy. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that he's still kind of finding his his yeah. his feet in press conferences because I'm yeah. not sure that he's completely comfortable with that. And I and I, you know, I think sometimes we ask, we're trying to ask a a probing question, and maybe he doesn't want to say anything about certain topics. Which I get. That's I don't. I yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't. I you know. I think his demeanor on the sideline is of much greater importance. And I'm not saying good or bad one way, but I think that I think that he really fights his emotions during a game. He, he reminds me of me coaching, coaching because I think he really fights his emotions sometimes, and and uh, and that spills out. Not saying whether it's good or bad or not. Uh, but that is, that's much more important. And didn't somebody bring up that, oh, he's not emotional enough on the sideline. I, wouldn't that, I don't yeah, know, you know. Previous, I think he would be, all right. There's a couple things I, I'd like to throw in here. First of all, they lost to Marshall and he didn't go viral in the press conference. So he's pretty calm because I had, I lost to Marshall as Notre Dame's head football coach that just was on the cover of GQ or in a story in GQ and everybody loved and did a whole story on me. I'd be pretty mad during that game. Cause it's Marshall. We have to remember it. Marshall lost to Bowling Green right after it. Okay. This is not, they're not going to go out and run the table. Right. They Did lost to just... Marshall. So he did a good job there. He had to be so exasperated watching that game against Cal that I can't believe I am 0 3 and they're not giving me the ball after Clarence Lewis picks it off because my captain targeted someone when he didn't have to touch the guy. Like everything <laughs> going on, he had a fumble recovery touchdown to seal it to go yeah. celebrate with his team. Nope. <laughs> not only was he not grounding Jake Plummer, they just called him down for falling down and throwing the ball forward. I mean, it had to be awful watching that game. So I think you will see Marcus Freeman's sideline demeanor change when it's not like the first is always happening. Like he had to present himself probably against Ohio state. This is my first game as no names coach or everybody's watching me. It's a big deal. The whole world's watching. And then you can't get a win no matter what happens. It seemed like against California. I just think he's had a, he's had a very public go of it and maybe it'll settle yeah, down a little bit. No, no, I don't think he needs to be more, more. He needs to get control of his emotions on the sideline, the inner turmoil. <laughs> you can see that, it happening. Huh? The, the inner, I, I'm, I'm telling you that maybe that's the only thing that Marcus Freeman and I have in common is the inner turmoil on, on game day can be pretty extreme. And I think that you can see that with him and but he needs to you know he's just finding his legs here man i mean he needs to he needs the so experience of it and uh, yeah it is it's just incredible well yeah i asked tommy reese about coaching in Dame being public um you know i yeah. mean after last weekend right. but um he's I mean, fine. supposed he's to be fine two and one and number five tim yeah. right two and one and number five is yeah, a different world than one and two and not ranked 
They're one play away, Tim. One play away from being two and one and in the top five. Or 0 oh and three. <laughs> or 0 oh and three. Yeah. <laughs> well, that would be two plays then. Yeah, that'd be two I, plays. I yeah. Uh, oh, no, yeah. no, I get No, it'd be one. I get it. Okay. All right, we're going to wrap up. With predictions, I'm not ready to make one, even if I normally gave one on Thursday anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not either. This is so crazy. I'm eagerly awaining your predictions. Oh, so I'm I the only prediction. No, I'm gonna. I'll predict too, Pete. I have, okay. Part of the uh, I went it's back like when and the game forth. Story, when the game's close, I have to okay. Go I went back and forth on this one, um, and ultimately, I just had to go with who has a better quarterback. It's North Carolina, and so I'm not going to overthink it. I'm going to go with Drake May over Drew Pine. 28-24, um, also North Carolina at home. I think it's – this is, I think, one of these, like, ooh, this is going to be a – might be a tough season when you look at how many games will Notre Dame have the quarterback advantage in. Yikes. I mean, Maybe how many games are you going to pick Notre Dame then? Because there's two. not many. Two? Yeah, it's just like you got to find a, a, another reason to go with Notre Dame – and right now, I think Notre Dame is still finding itself. Maybe, and maybe they will on Saturday. I don't know. Uh, maybe, the, maybe what happened in the second half against Cal with both the pass rush and the offensive line sort of like locks into place. Uh, but I need to see more than one half of that to to go with it. Uh, I think it's a bigger reach to say those two things are going to lock into place for mm-hmm. Notre Dame than it is to say. Drake Mace, uh, top 10 quarterback in the country in terms of completion percentage. He's probably going to play well. CJ Stroud is also a top 10 quarterback in the country in completion percentage, as is Henry Columbia from Marshall, <laughs> who is ridiculously number two in the country. So Drake May is much more like Stroud and Columbia than he is Jack Plummer. So I'm going to go with Drake May is enough to get North Carolina over the line. This is where you say not so fast, my friend. No, I was, uh, I kind of talked myself into Notre Dame on this podcast when I was mentioning the lines and their advantage they have over teams like North Carolina. I watched, well, the third time I watched Notre Dame Cal game, I thought there is no freaking way they're beating North Carolina or anybody else with a pulse. But I don't think. I think we're just watching them too closely sometimes. Sometimes we just get that view. We, we only have we only cover one team and we know all their faults. I think the red zone defense has to be fantastic, but I, I think it will be. I, I mean, North Carolina is going to get yards. I, I think the Notre Dame's red zone defense is experienced and good, and, and they'll be good. I, Notre Dame has to create a turnover, and that's not. I'm not at saying go three three nothing on turnovers. Just create a turnover. Get create a turnover. Get get your offense a short field. It would help a lot if Notre Dame can get a layup touchdown um which has to be a catch and run because they're not throwing over the top of uh anyone in flag football dorms or the acc and they got to score where they're in the red zone and that's what we don't know about yet because they've been great in the red they've been very good in the red zone the ohio state they didn't score they were good against uh marshall and carolina and california i think they could be good against carolina there um i do not i am not go, like rolling through the schedule picking another name all the time i just feel like it's it was too easy for me to pick north carolina and I think the Notre Dame lines will outplay Carolina's. So I am in the 27, 26 weird game range that Notre Dame pulls it out. I was, I was, I was coming to the podcast doing 30, 27 Carolina. So I, I thought it would be close. Um, Cause I don't want to overrate Carolina either, you know, like, well, yeah, because that, like you say they need a layup. So yeah. translation, they need a defensive bust by North Carolina. 
Yeah, and it could be a defensive bust on a, a pass to Styles where he makes one move and no one else is there. There's supposed to be someone right, there, right, right? Right. My point being, yeah, that 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 could very very likely happen. And Pete, I, I think that I, maybe it's a generational thing here um, because I, I my the first thing I say is who has the best defense, not who has the best quarterback. And I completely understand why you do because, I mean, it's a it's an aerial game today, especially yeah. with, with well, North I also Carolina. Don't think- I get it. I don't think Pete would say that if it was May versus Buckner and Pete said May is a better quarterback than Buckner. It's like no May by knockout. Over it's yeah. just so so distinct. Yeah. The, Drew yeah. Pine's first half still counts. Uh no. yeah. Well, I I'll I you know what? I'll let you know whether I agree with that during the first half Saturday, okay. Saturday afternoon. You can send me a text. <laughs> I will. Yes. Um, yeah, but you know, I Nordame has the best defense on the field by far. Notre yes. has the best lines potentially by far. Um, well, it comes down to that offensive line being the better, being good, being pretty good again. They can't, they can't play subpar. They'll, they'll lose going away. Actually. No, they cannot. And I'm, and I'm uncertain. Rocky Boyman and I were talking about this yesterday. Uncertain as to just how good or bad North Carolina's offensive line is. You know, they got Corey Gaynor from Miami at center. Who's a 28 game starter from Miami, who I think has stabilized things there. Um, you got a familiar name at, at left tackle. You know, they, I know it's last year. They gave up 49 sacks, man. I mean, how in the world oh, do you give up 49 sacks? They gave only, up 45. Well, yeah, but they had an immobile quarterback in North Carolina, did not. They somehow so gave up was, 55 in the first five games and only 45 on the year, though. That was kind of incredible. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, well, my prediction will be Friday. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to break the tie, I guess, amongst us three. <laughs> if not, it's the craziest prediction of the season. Yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, the next time you hear from us, uh, Tim O'Malley will be in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I will be reporting from home this weekend. And uh, I we'll hope see they tie happens. now that you bring it up. When you yeah. say you break the tie, I hope they're even North Carolina. Okay, tie. well then that's, I can, that's I just how old school you are, Preacher. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> so yeah, even if, if so, it goes into overtime. So I'm correct if I say so. I can say overtime. It's going to yes, go in overtime. Go. I still have to pick a team though at that point. Anyway, that's it for today's Irish Illustrated Insider. We'll talk pregame from Chapel Hill on Saturday. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> <laughs>